Dr. Mark Jones on Moody Presents. If we get hundreds and hundreds of people mobilized that care about our community and care about what's happening, then we roll up our sleeves in Jesus' name and start doing things about things. We say, I'm going to go out and do this. We need to do something here, over there. We do this in Jesus' name together. We mobilize people into action. Welcome to the Bible teaching ministry of Mark Job. He's president of the Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and boy, have we been enjoying a great message series here on the broadcast. If you've been with us, you know all about the fact that we're talking about what it means to be a contagious Christian. Nothing easier than sitting on the sidelines, showing up maybe on Sundays, doing the bare minimum. But to be a truly contagious Christian, that takes forethought. That takes effort. It takes a biblical mindset. And that's why I've appreciated these messages, as I know you have, too. Well, part of the whole puzzle on this idea of being a contagious Christian is having a true focus on your calling in Christ. And maybe, just maybe, you need a rekindling in that calling. Our upcoming Founders Week Bible Conference series is just for you, then. 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7 says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Well, coming October 18 to 20 are three memorable days at Moody Bible Institute in downtown Chicago. Great Bible teaching at the heart of it all with Dr. Joe Stoll, Mark Job, Chris Brooks, and many more. You'll draw closer to God through heartfelt praise with special music guest Leland and Tim Stafford, along with Moody's renowned orchestra, chorale, gospel choir, and worship collectives. Listen, whether you're a longtime believer or just starting your journey with Christ, rekindle your faith with us at Founders Week. Our website is foundersweek.com, where you can learn complete information, foundersweek.com. Hope you'll be on campus if you can, and if not, you can listen or watch online. Again, details at foundersweek.com. Bold ideas on what it means to take some steps that lead toward becoming contagious for Christ. That's our message now with Mark Job here on Moody Presents. Some of you have grown up with Jesus in religious environments where you went to church and the Jesus that you looked at was a Jesus on the crucifix of the church that you went to. And you remember that he had nails in his hand and you remember the statue where there was blood dripping down his face and he was the crucified Jesus, the the suffering savior. And so there was an empathy that you felt with him, especially when you were going through a hard time. You would go and you'd look up at the face of that suffering Jesus and you would say, Jesus, I'm going through a hard time like you went through a hard time. You can empathize with my suffering because I'm suffering right now. We both have a tough life and I appreciate your compassion and maybe if you could do something for me. But let let me tell you, you, you you have connected to a crucified Jesus, but you've forgotten that that crucified Jesus is not crucified anymore. He's a resurrected Jesus. He rose from the grave. He ascended on high. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He has all power and dominion and might. He is, he is moving in resurrection power. That's the Jesus that's here today. He's not the martyr sacrifice Jesus. He's the resurrected 
You want to get a vision of who that Jesus is and read Revelation. He has fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. And there's no principality or power that can stand against the power of this resurrected Jesus. Now, I believe that we, we can embrace an atmosphere of faith. And when people are contagious about their faith, they believe the word of God. They believe what God says about what he can do. And contagious people full of the zeal of God, they come expectant that this Jesus, this mighty Jesus will show up. Some of you were raised in churches and you just went and kind of did your religious duty, but you never expected that anybody would change. You never expected that a life would turn around, that people would repent, that marriages would be healed, that physical healing would happen. Someone would go from the brink of an outcast of society to a strong spiritual leader. You never expected that. And you've brought your image of the old Jesus into your new walk with God. And I want to tell you that the atmosphere that I want is every time we gather together in Jesus' name, I want an atmosphere that says nothing is impossible in this place. God can work and God can move. And there's miracles that God can do and lives can be changed. And no matter who it is can be transformed by his power. I believe that. And when we come in faith believing, we, we see through our eyes of faith what God is going to do. We create that atmosphere with the faith that we have or the unbelief that we have. Number three, not only... Do they practice the habits that fan the flame of passionate spirituality? Not only do they embrace an atmosphere of faith and expectation, but number three, they promote a culture of overflowing generosity. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So you can imagine the early church gathered together. There was 120 of them after the day of Pentecost, the first message that Peter preached on the first day of the church, so to speak, 3,000 people joined them. Imagine 3,000 people that don't really know Jesus, don't have a Bible, don't know a lot. I mean, what a chaotic mess. When they gather together, there are over 3,000 people from day one. They bring in all their craziness into the church. At communion in Corinth, some people were getting drunk. Thought we had problems, huh? In Corinth, one guy was sleeping with his stepmother. And the church was like, hey. We're such a loving church, we're not going to say anything about it. Paul's like, what? 3,000 pagans come in. They, don't, they need to be discipled. They need to be taught. So they're learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 of them come to Jerusalem. Many of them have to leave their own hometown, so they leave their jobs to live in Jerusalem. People are opening up their homes so they can stay. They're staying at people's homes. But there is a, such a culture of generosity that some people out of the believers are saying, hey, 
I'm opening my home. People can stay here. We need more money to feed people. I have a house in another village. I'm going to sell it and give all the proceeds and donations to help feed the rest of the church here that doesn't have something to eat. There was this culture of generosity that we're in it together. I believe that when God begins to move, people start to view themselves as having something to give. Not just financially, but they take on a mentality of generosity, of their love, of their compassion, of their gifts. They begin to say, I have something to give because God has given me something. I have a testimony to give. I have compassion to give. I have a talent to give. There becomes this, instead of I'm coming to get, there becomes this mentality, I'm coming to give. The church sees itself as a place that has been enriched by the power of God, so they have a lot to give and minister to the people that are around them. That's a culture of generosity. If you know that God has filled you, then you know you have something to give. When the people of God feel full of the presence of God, then they become a giving people, a generous, an outreach people. So there's a culture of generosity. Number four, they cultivate strong, authentic relationships with other believers. Notice verse 46, it says, and every day, every day, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. What in the world is the temple courts? Well, if you've ever seen a picture or a reconstruction of the old temple, you'll realize that there, the, 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 and I've seen it in Jerusalem, the, the temple had the inner courts where people went and they gathered and it was part of the temple and then there was the Holy of Holies. But around the perimeter of the temple were some courts where people could gather and meet and discuss scripture. It was like um, probably about the height of this ceiling here, uh, but with pillars and there was no walls to it. So it was like kind of a plaza, a plaza with a covering over it and people would gather for meetings and to discuss scripture and to talk, well, the early church gathered in the temple courts, thousands of them. They didn't have a building, so they gathered. Imagine every day they gathered. What did they do? To talk about scripture, to pray, a large gathering of people. People were learning about Jesus. But not only did they gather every day in the temple courts, but where else did they gather? They gathered in people's homes. It says, for every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they gathered together in their large gathering, and then they met together in small homes. You know, there's something about being in someone's house that makes you feel like you know that person a little bit better, right? I mean, your house is your space. People walk in, they, they learn a lot about you. Your pictures, family pictures, the magazines that you have, the kind of food that you eat, 
It's kind of your private space. What it says about the early church is the early church gathered in the large gathering, the larger gatherings like we have right here, but they also gathered in the small gatherings from house to house, and they shared meals together, and they prayed together, and they were sincere, and they opened up to each other. I believe that to really grow the kind of way that God is calling you to grow, you need to get into people's lives. People need to know you. You need to know people. People need to know what to pray for. People need to be able to encourage you. You need to be able to speak into other people's lives. You need to be able to pray together, work together, correct, uh, journey together, understand how, uh, how someone else is doing. You need to get into a small group. Hey, there's some of you men here that say, you know, I, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about the small group stuff. You know, I'm not like, I, I'm not real like touchy-feely. They're going to ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to have to talk about my motions. I don't want to go to a small group where, you know, all kind of hold hands and sing kumbaya. I don't know if I'm into that, Pastor. Let me tell you. You're not going to come to a men's small group full of sissies. You're going to come to a men's small group full of men of God that are going to challenge you, push you on, cause you to step up, step up to leading your household, step up to parenting, be a leader. They're going to confront, rebuke, challenge, push you on. And most of these men have been everywhere you've been and probably more and have a history to tell as well. They've just been saved, sanctified, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and trying to live godly in the world that they live in. Don't worry about that. So glad you've joined us for today's broadcast with Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. We're looking together at biblical choices that help make us contagious people. You can hear today's teaching again when you head online to moodypresents.org. Right now, let's pick up today's message again with some insights on why you and I need other believers in this journey toward becoming a contagious Christian. The point that I'm making is that we all need other people in our lives. Early Testament church that gathered in large gatherings, but also gathered in small gatherings as well. And let me just say this about, uh, about our church here, New Life. Our gathering here at this church is larger than what most people are accustomed to. And here's the thing about a larger church. You can get easily lost in the crowd unless you choose to plug into a small group. You know, you can come to this church and be anonymous. You want to get lost? I'm going to come and just get lost in the crowd, cut out early after things, show up a little bit late after service, then cut out early, and then you could say, I'm going to church. Let me tell you something. You can get lost in the crowd and try to hide, but you never can hide from God. And if you get serious about growing, you won't want to hide. You're not going to want to hide. You're going to want to plug in. You're going to want to grow. You're going to want people to know your name. You're going to want to know other people's names, because that's the way we grow into contagious Christians. Number five, not only did they have habits that kept their heart on fire, they embraced an atmosphere of faith and expectation. They promote a culture of overflowing generosity. They cultivate strong, authentic relationship with other believers. But number five, they build a good report 
with the people from the outside that are seeking God. Verse 47 says, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Every day, there were people coming to Christ. Why? Because there was a church on fire. You know, when we first started, uh, we probably didn't see that, but over the last three to four years, we've averaged at least one person a day coming to Christ. Because we've baptized over 300 people every year. Last year, we baptized 585 people. And so, you know, you do the math, you break it down, and, you know, as a church, we're averaging almost every day someone coming to Christ. That's awesome, isn't it? People are coming to Christ. But let me tell you something about having a zeal for God and being contagious people. What I see from this is that they were praising God and enjoying favor with the people from the outside. You know why they were enjoying favor and God was adding to their number? Because the church cared about those around them. Let me tell you something about our vision at this church. Our vision at this church is we, we don't want to just be a church that has people that have been believers for years, have well-worn Bibles, and their lives all together because they've been following Jesus and they've, because their grandparents and their parents and their grandparents. We don't praise God for those people that, that have a strong, solid background and have gotten saved when they were young in life. But you know what? We want everybody to know Jesus. We're not the kind of church that says, hey, let's bar the doors, close the windows because maybe a pagan may come in and bring some of their nasty, dirty lifestyle in here. We're not looking out the window saying, oh, I hope no one comes. Are you kidding me? Man, we're flinging the doors open, opening the windows and saying, man, this is where you need to be. If you got an issue, if you're looking for Jesus, if you got problems, man, join us because God is at work in this place. Come on, come in. We're not afraid of your mess. Because every single person in this place was a mess until Jesus began to change them and cleanse them and purify them and turn them around. We're not afraid of your mess. So, the early church, they had favor with all the people because they cared enough, the contagious people care enough for people around them, they care enough to learn what the needs are around. And we want to do that as a church. We want to understand the needs of our community and understand what God is doing or what needs to happen in this neighborhood more in our communities more and then meet those needs in Jesus' name. Let me tell you how it works. This is us as a church doing it together. Hello? If you come and say, Pastor, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done about the graffiti in the neighborhood. Pastor, what are you going to do about it? Hey, don't come and tell me what I'm going to do about it. You need to come and say, Pastor, I have a burden to do something about the graffiti. I'm going to say, great, let's talk about it, pray about it. What are you going to do about it? You see how it works? 
If we get hundreds and hundreds of people mobilized that care about our community and care about what's happening, then we roll up our sleeves in Jesus' name and start doing things about things. We take initiative. We say, I'm going to go out and do this. We need to do something here, over there. We, we do this in Jesus' name together. We mobilize people into action. That's how it works, but we understand what the needs are out there, first of all. Secondly, we speak the language of the people. Because we need, to, we need to understand that every single Sunday, there are people that walk into this auditorium that are far from God. They had a hard time coming to church today because they felt uncomfortable because they're on church. And I'm sure there's people here today that you are here, and maybe you've never been to a Christian church before, Maybe it was a little awkward because you don't know what they're going to do in a Christian church. You don't know if they're going to have you stand up and quote a verse that you don't know or make you pray and you don't know how to pray or you just, just don't know because you haven't been around. If you are here and you've never been to a Christian church, man, I want to welcome you today and I want to say, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I really am. That you had the courage to come to a place that you don't really understand how things work. And we want to speak in a language that people understand. And we want to care enough not to be afraid to embrace people that are seeking God. Let me tell you, all of us are here because someone wasn't afraid to embrace us. Even when we had a lot of messes. You're here because someone cared enough to pray for you, believed enough to invite you, knew that God could do something in your life. And you need to pass that on. You say, well, Pastor, I'm still not there. Well, you know what? If you wait till you're there, you'll be in the grave before you reach out to anybody else because we are never quite there. So we reach out to people from where we're at. My prayer for this church is that we will be so personally on fire for God that it splashes over to uh, the way we live our life and when we go to work and our marriage and our parenting and our relationships, that we're on fire for God. And that when people walk in this auditorium, they sense that anything is possible with God because there's a faith in this place, an expectation that God can do good. And that when they walk in this place and they're far from God and maybe desperate and maybe hopeless, that they walk in this place and they feel a sense of hope because people are embracing them in love, encouraging them, challenging them, and believing with us together that God can change them. I want to make sure that, well, I want to make sure that when you come on Sunday morning, it's not just about you. I want to make sure that you're looking for people and saying, if I can reach out to them, I want to welcome, encourage, pray, minister, bless people because I know there's a lot of people that need Jesus, just like I need Jesus. Let me close with this thought. Most of us don't come to God because we're looking for God. Most of us encounter God because we're looking for relief in our life. Most people don't walk in these doors saying, you know, I'm really coming, I need a savior. 
I need my sins to be washed. I want someone to be master of my life. Most people didn't come to Jesus because they were looking for a savior. They came to Jesus because they were blind and lame and hurting and confused and looking for a liberator. But what they found was a savior. Most people don't come to church looking for a God to save them. Oftentimes they come to church because, well, they just went through a divorce and they're depressed and down and they say, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe I can find some hope there. They come, be, but maybe they have a son that's in addiction and they're just, they, they've thrown up their arms and they just don't what, know what to do. They're looking for relief. Maybe they've come because their soul is empty. They've gone down the road and now they're looking up and say, I just don't have any purpose in life. They're looking for relief from their soul. Some people are looking for answers because life hasn't quite gone the way it should. Most people don't come looking for a savior that will master their life and change them. They come looking for relief, but in the process, they encounter a savior. What I care is what God does in the process with your life. You may come for all the wrong motives. We've had people come here that were coming just to, just to find something bad about the church. People come, I'm going to come to prove you wrong, that they, they're a bunch of fakes or false, and they've come sitting back with their arms crossed like this, just wait. <laughs> I've had husbands tell me that. Hey, my wife started coming. I thought she was having an affair with someone at church. I was coming to scope it out, seeing why are you going to church? Why are you all happy about going to church? Who are you sitting next to? I know there's some other guy involved. You can't be going to church and come back that happy. I'm coming to keep an eye on my wife. I've had husbands tell me that. They discover that the joy that they have is the joy of Jesus Christ. And they come and experience and encounter God themselves. Dr. Mark Joe, with a look at how to become a contagious Christian. Thanks for listening. I'm John Geiger. Hey, join us next week for more in our series, Red Hot Faith. Our program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.